You want to start off with just introducing each of us and then using that as a segue? Yeah, I feel like that'll probably be kind of the best bet. If you want to just talk about what you've been and then I'll talk about what position I've led myself to be in, you know, how we were able to get in contact with one another and then just kind of propel the relationship that way. No, I'm going to include this at the beginning of the podcast and people are going to be like, they're talking about what they're going to do on the podcast, on the podcast. That's okay. It's raw talk. inception of podcasts, right? It's raw talk, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I like it raw. Hey, I got to ask them before we get too far (laughs) in though, what's up with that horse? I don't know. It's a painting. You like it? Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice looking horse. He's looking like, like it's positioned though. So he's like, like peeking over your shoulder. I know. He's looking over me. Yeah, very intently. He's like staring in my soul. So yeah, he can only see above the waist. That's kind of it's kind of nice. Uh, although his ears kind of got a little bit of devil ears going on. Like yeah, not no. most horses don't, but he kind of does. He's got the horns. Maybe it's a pony. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> I had a pony when I grew up. Did you really? Yeah, his name was Scout. He was a good boy. He lived in East Troy, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, I did. He was a good, he was a good boy. Uh, I got trampled once, and then my mom laughed at me. But, uh, but that's another thing. So, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Uh, coming out of East Troy, this is when I still lived in East Troy. So, starting off in technology sales was uh, April tenth of two thousand six. So, when I got it, so what? What is that? What seventeen years, one month, six days ago, twenty nine minutes ago. Is when I started off. Sounds so when I did that, I came from previously that I was making minimum wage in a call center selling charter TV as a telemarketer in Whitewater, actually. So that was a really terrible job. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Monster. Got is Monster.com still a thing? I've never heard of it. Yeah, nope. yeah. So it used to be a thing like 20 years ago. And I just randomly had my resume up there. It's funny you, you call it a resume when you have no experience. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, but that's how I got, that's how I got the fluky luck uh, of landing in technology was getting a account executive, basically entry level role for PC mall. And, you know, then people always ask me, you've asked me like, well, how much do you know about technology coming in? And, you know, my, my first technology training was the reading the mail catalog in the lobby before my interview so that I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. The only thing I remember from it today is I just remember reading PPM. And this is the, this is the before smartphones were a thing. So you couldn't Google anything, right? Because you didn't have Google nope. on your phone. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Super archaic. You're old, John. I know, I know. It happens. Time, time goes really fast, dude. So I just remember like PPM and I was like, what does PPM stand for? And apparently it's pages per minute. Uh, so I tried to familiarize myself, but that's the interesting thing coming into technology sales. And people always wonder, well, how do I start? Where do I start? What do I sell? I don't know anything about computers or technology. Uh, and really none of that matters because the longer you're in sales, the more you realize that when you're in sales, especially relationship-based selling, which is how I built my entire career and we'll spend plenty of time talking about relationship selling versus transactional consumer selling, uh, you realize the product doesn't matter. The solution is irrelevant. As long as you believe in it, as long as it's the best solution for the customer, it doesn't matter what right. it is. So it can be technology. It can be computers. What I did when I started at PC Mall is at that time, there was about 15 primary technology categories that I, I was able to identify and I didn't know anything sure. about anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I just asked engineers and I asked the people and I said, hey, if I get a guy on the phone and he's like, hey, Microsoft licensing. Oh, I don't know anything about Microsoft licensing. So what's the eight to 10 questions I would need to ask to pull the right information so that I could go to somebody who knew what they were talking right. about and then come back to them. And that made my life both simpler coming in. And it also gave me the confidence to talk about those topics, which is something that salespeople generally uh, naturally tend to lack. 
They don't want to talk right. about things that they don't aren't comfortable with. So if you get into a client, you start selling them Dell client machines at computers. Well, I don't want to talk to them about servers because I don't know what I'm talking about and I'll sound like an idiot and they're going to think I sound like an idiot and then they're going to take all their business away and then I'm going to lose all my stuff. And they're they're trapped in that perpetual, I don't know enough, so I'm not confident enough, so I don't want to talk about other categories. And today in 2023, there's about 25 technology categories. The average sales rep in technology, the last I saw, gets about a 3.5 to 3.7 category uh, penetration or ownership within an account. So out of 25 categories on average account executives own about 3.5 to 3.7 of those categories. And they think they're doing good with an account. They're like, oh yeah, it's one of my core customers. <laughs> and I'm right. like, well, so I always use an Excel spreadsheet that I categorize every, and map everything out visually. And I categorize all 25 categories and I fill in what I know and what they buy of each of those categories from me. And it gives me a visual guide so that if I can look at somebody and be like, yeah, this guy spent $400,000 with me feels like he spends a lot of money with me, but then I look and I sell two categories out of 25 and I have 23 that are white space. Guess what? He's not a good customer to me right. you know, from, from his angle. Uh, I'm just a very small, and it gives me a lot of potential for growth. But And just from a holistic perspective too. It does. It shows you what you're not talking about because generally <laughs> if you're not getting it, when you can sell everything as a VAR, a value-added reseller, you have the ability to sell everything. So if there are, the nice thing about visualization is like, wow, I literally don't sell VoIP to anybody. Mm -hmm. Why not? We sell VoIP. It's not right. that nobody buys VoIP. It's that I'm mm -hmm. not talking about VoIP. I'll tell a story about that. A couple, oh, this is what I was going to say a couple years ago. It's many years ago. Uh, I had a company my biggest customer at the time, this had to be in like 2009. And they were my biggest customer at the time. They spent about $220,000 with me a year. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to the lady, her name was Pam. And she's like, well, I got to go. I got to call Dell to order some computers. And I was like, what do you mean you got to call Dell? She's like, well, you don't sell Dell. I'm like, Pam, I sell more Dell than anything. She's like, well, you never <laughs> told me that. I'm like, well, I thought you knew. She's like, well, no, you never told me. I'll just buy them from you. And I turned out I was missing like 80 grand a year in revenue because I never brought up the fact that I sell Dell somehow, right? I sell all right. this other stuff to her, but somehow it never came up in conversation that I was like, hey, I sell Dell. And then she gave yeah, me all right. the business. That, that's the whole sales process right there because once you earn the trust, it gets a lot easier. <clears throat> uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, talking about history and how we got here today, I was at Mall for five years, uh, 61 months uh, specifically. And after that, I joined uh, GHA, uh, which is my home today. Uh, and I've been here for a little over 12 years, 12 years, two weeks. And, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of really good advantages for finding a employee-owned mid-size right. market VAR that we have the buying power of anybody, but we don't have the bureaucracy of a publicly traded company. So you want to find a nice <clears throat> home. You want to find a good place that you're comfortable at and that you can spend the right. rest of your time and career at. And that ties back to the relationship focus that we're talking about. But let's jump into you, dude. Let's, yeah, let's man. hear about you. Yeah. So obviously I just graduated college and everything and just kind of, I want to touch really quick on the story that you told about the lady that you were working with. You said her name was Pam, right? Pam. Um, Pam yeah. That's, you know, that's a really good point that you bring up, John, you know, just being more of a proactive thinker, you know, obviously you don't know what you don't know, but there's also so many opportunities that if you don't just ask them, how are you going to get the answer that you're looking for? So I appreciate that somebody being in my role in this transition, you kind of hit the nail on the head with what you were describing, how you started. Obviously, we've had our conversations about this and everything too, but just being able to be proactive, asking as many questions as you can, trying to learn as much as you can. I feel like that's helped me a lot. You know, obviously sometimes people will recommend trying to focus on a certain vertical, which isn't a bad idea, but just starting out with no prior technology experience. Yeah. So 
my point in time, it's just I've had to shift my perspective on that and learn as much as I can. So if I were to close my mind and try and focus on one vertical, I feel like that would kind of take away from the bigger picture of, like you said, being able to hit all 25 of those categories. But Obviously, I know does. it's going to take time and everything. It's just from a starting point of view, you know, I feel like that's kind of where or I guess what would help me propel to the next level. You know, one thing um, I, want, I want to hit on that point, because you made a good point there. And it's a lot of people, a lot of people always ask me, it's the most qu common question I get from folks when they start is what verticals should I focus on and what verticals should I align with? And when I started off, I didn't know anything. So I didn't mm -hmm. know, I didn't know, I didn't have an answer to that question. So I called everybody for about two years and then I got more of a specific answer. Today, 17 years in, I don't vertically align what I do is I avoid certain verticals, most specifically SLED, government and education. And yep. I avoid them for the most part, unless it's like a super easy lead or referral mm -hmm. because Just it's, about not to say that. it's not relationship based as a whole. There right. are caveats to that rule. Of course, there's caveats to every rule, but mostly it is bid driven and 9%. relationship based guy, man. So mm -hmm. I want to work with somebody that appreciates responsiveness, communication, honesty, transparency, customer service, call me at two 30 in the morning on Christmas. And I'm also going to be able to charge a higher margin because of those. Exactly. Things. Cause I work with them. I, I still work with the first customer I ever sold to in this industry is still a customer of mine today, 17 years mm -hmm. later, they're still a customer of mine. That's hard to do in the government sector, but yeah, I wanted to make that quick point about vertically yeah. aligning yourself. Cause it is super important. There are cool verticals that I do like. Like uh, video games and aerospace would probably be the top mm -hmm. two. Um, Definitely. You know, so I, I get excited about that stuff. I go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, I appreciate the point, man. It's definitely a good point. Um, it kind of goes back to just, you know, the book I'm reading, start with why, you know, figure out, you know, why we're doing this. And that's why, you know, we are doing this because we like to have that relationship with people, you know, and I guess I'll kind of just tie that into my experience, what I've done, what has led me up to this point. So obviously I am a new college graduate. Uh, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin Whitewater with a BBA in marketing with an emphasis in professional selling. Fortunately, for well, I guess unfortunately, you know, I, I had some family struggles and stuff in the past, just financially. So I was able to, or I was forced to more so, just provide for myself from a young age. So I've been able to realize, in comparison to my peers, that you know my work ethic, how I think, how I operate, isn't necessarily the same. And Johnny, no, I know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this point at some point. How nobody wants to sell. But my, my first jobs working in high school were, were always customer service. So I started out working at Walgreens. Uh, I worked at Walgreens for about a year. And from my experiences as a kid growing up, when I first started working there, I would always picture myself in the in the shoes of the customers. So like, how would I want my experience to be with the cashier? You know, and that's one thing that I really took to heart. And I'm just, I'm a super friendly person. And I feel like that's really what helped me enjoy the job a lot more. You know, I transitioned, then I started selling shoes. It wasn't a commission-based role or anything. However, there were customers that came in Rogan shoes, John. I, I know you, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's more I have, Midwest, yeah. but yeah, so they had, they had running shoes and what we had one of these consultants come in from Rogan's one day to give us training on the different types of support and running shoes. Mill one was the store that I was at. It was a Milwaukee store and they had the first competition to sell ASIC shoes. And the first, the person who ever sold the most ASIC shoes in that month won a hundred dollar, uh, what was it? Quick trip gift card or something like that. <laughs> Yay. I think. And my, yeah, right. Well, I'm only working, you know, four to 8 p.m. in high school. Yeah. And I took second place. I didn't win it, but I was in second right, compared right. to all yeah. the people. So that was just kind of the first thing that made me realize, you know, I this was transitioning. You know, I was, I was 16, 17. I worked there for probably right around two years. Okay. Started at 8.50 an hour. I know you said you started at minimum wage. Yeah, which you know, was lower back then, dude. Before it was. I got on the tech, I never <laughs> yeah. made 8.50 an hour. I was making like 7.25 an hour and I was living the high life. I was not living the high life. I was going to say, yeah, 8.50, I, start, I started out as a high roller. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, dude. You're just balling it. So hey, I, I, got a, I got a funny story about that because you're just telling me the story with the contest, right? Yeah. So Sunday, I was at home this Sunday, like mm-hmm. so two days ago, I was at Home Depot and I was checking out and the manager, you know, all the people like they're probably they look like they're probably like 18, 19 year old. All the workers sure. were hanging out mm-hmm. and the manager came up and uh, he was talking to them. Hey, guys, whoever can sell a $20 HVAC promo to a customer so we go there and do a tune-up for 20 bucks uh whoever can sell the first one today i'll give them a 50 dollars bonus mm-hmm. right and they're all talking about it well I'm, I'm standing right there and i'm checking out and they're all <laughs> talking about different ways they could do it and different schemes they could do and one guy yeah. was like well i'll buy it like the workers like i'll buy it and then we'll split them <laughs> nobody bothered to ask me not I'm one literally standing <laughs> right there in the middle of their conversation and I heard the manager's pitch that it was $100. Now, I wouldn't have got it because I don't need an HVAC tune up. I just had one. And going back to your previous point of asking questions. Right. They weren't going to pull a yes out of me by not asking. They were already they engaged sure with me. Why not just be like, well, dude, do you want it? That's all you have to say. Worst case, I'm going to say scenario. I'm going to be like, no, nah, I'm good. Right? Mm-hmm. And right. best case scenario, they just made it in five seconds. So, But none of them Literally. had the self ambition or motivation to actually just go out and ask us they, they just wanted to talk about it they just wanted to talk amongst themselves but just ask me man <laughs> yeah you know? and that, that goes hand in hand too with people not wanting to sell and the biggest reason you know i'm sure obviously most people who are in sales know this is nobody wants to be rejected at the end of the day and i feel like you know that's the biggest hurdle to get over and even you know tenured sales professionals you know i'm, I'm not there yet you know i got i got a couple like two and a half three years now almost under my belt but you know what i've noticed just from the my peers and the older people that i've worked with is you know i guess i'll kind of just transition and tell a little bit of a story so uh transitioning from rogan's you know i worked as a business development representative for a home improvement company called tight seal exteriors and baths uh, i started out as a telemarketer you know was making i don't know 14 dollars an hour i was making oh. right around between 102 200 calls okay. uh, per day so they weren't yeah. necessarily cold calls you know they had their own marketing lead generation strategies lead sources that they went from so they were all essentially you know warm quote unquote leads uh, so i started off there pretty quickly within i think the first three and a half months i was promoted to a shift lead in there that was pretty much in the heart of the pandemic so i started there in november of 2020 shortly after that you know it's home improvement or it's home improvements, right? Trade shows are a really, really big thing for them. And it's how they, yeah, how they earn majority of their business. So shortly thereafter, you know, after not getting tired of making cold calls, but just more so having a desire for face-to-face interaction, just because that's, you know, that's what I feel. That's what I, I don't know what the word is. uh, Fuel my fire off of, I guess. So yeah, I transitioned into the trade show scene, uh, did really, really well there, set a bunch of different records for a bunch of different shows, Long story short, within the two years I was there, I generated a little over a million dollars, right around right around one point two million dollars in appointment nice. turnover volume. Uh, my appointments that came in that actually ended up going out, at least eighty percent of them demoed throughout the two years that I was there. But yeah, my success, you know, I credit it to just being you know being a proactive listener. You know, and that goes back to you were mentioning relation based selling, which honestly, in my opinion, John, if you're not relationship based selling, I don't think you should be selling at all. Everything. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, the Amazons and the online sales well, and all that stuff, the transactional well, even at, POVs. Well, even at an Amazon level, right? There's a difference. There's two types of selling. And I'm going to hit on your point here because it's a valid point. But it, 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 I'm going to explain why it's so valid and so important. Mm-hmm. You can be a trans that you can sell a transactional product and still be a relationship based salesperson. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's use a house as an example, or you know, even an an iPhone as an example, right? Anything, right? Or right? insurance too. Or insurance, Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going on Amazon not with a relationship with Amazon, 
but you still build credibility because you know if something goes wrong, they're going to take care of you. If there's exactly. an issue, so I'm selling transactionally, but I'm thinking a hundred years out. I don't want. Exactly. I want to learn. I want to earn the customer's loyalty, referrals, recommendations, and that I agree with you. If you don't have a hundred year mentality about the customer, regardless of spending five cents with you. Remember that customer I said the first customer mm-hmm. I ever sold. To, the first thing I ever sold to him was a five dollar USB cable. It's probably less than that. Probably like two dollars. What'd you make off that? A nickel? <laughs> nothing, right? You make nothing, dude. But <laughs> he was mad because his current company, his current partner that he was using, the current rep told him to go to Best Buy because it wasn't worth his time, right? So I sold mm-hmm. him a USB cable. Since that point, this is an SMB customer, very small, of forty four users. But since sure. that time, he spent about six hundred forty thousand dollars with me. Wow. Because even though it was transactional to start off with, I always treated him the best I possibly could. And right. then that turned and then he's given me referrals over the years and recommendations. And plus you always have that cornerstone of your career. That's a beautiful thing about relationship selling is that you just add to your snowball. Everybody right. you get in, you you have a very high in the 90% retention rate. And this is where I'll hit it on another 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 time, but this is why I made the comment. It's very beneficial to work for a mid-sized VAR mm-hmm. because you can have that 100-year relationship with customers and always add them to your snowball because you don't do <clears throat> account reassignments and dep- uh, rep reassignments and moving customers around, which is a topic that I could go on a huge rant about <laughs> and why companies shouldn't do that and why it's completely backwards in this industry, but how you can leverage that right. when you do work for a company that you can work with customers for your entire career instead of losing them every two years and always having to build new, build new, build new. Right. I will... Do my best to not go on that rant now. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to come I'll, back I'll, to that. Yeah, I was say, I'll interrupt you so you, so you can get sidetracked. Oh, no, yeah, all right, Lee, man. Yeah, no. All right, go ahead. I want to. Yeah, I just want to build off of your point too. You know, just with the relationship-based selling, you know, it all comes back to, or just you know, you were given an example of uh, people like us typically tend to benefit from working with that SMB size company, and that's that may not be for everyone, right? It could be the time that they that they're looking in their area if they have certain different you know family situations that type of stuff. SMB companies may not be hiring, right? So even if it's a smaller or a fortune 100 through 500 level company, if you're a relationship-based seller, your core competencies always revert back to the why you're selling. We always like to say to our customers or when I'm cold, we just like to help out nice people because it really, it doesn't matter what industry or what size businesses you're selling to. If you have a passion for selling and you really just want to help somebody out and help solve problems that other people weren't able to solve, that's going to, that's helped you get to become as, as successful as you are. I'm only been doing this for a couple months, but you know, I'm getting, I'm learning a lot. I've been extremely successful from everything that I've learned in the past. But yeah, I think that's just a really interesting point. It really just depends on who the individual is at the end of the day and how they want to form their relationships with other people and how they want well, to grow their it business. Is. And that's your point, man. So you're three months in, which is a wonderful time to start this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my 205th month doing this. And to your point that you just made, People sometimes I'll, I'll get leads. I'll get a lot of leads from uh, from partners and things like that, and they'll ask me, "Well, what size company is not worth your time?" And there is it. There is a cutoff, you know. Generally, uh, like a four, a four or five user plumbing company is probably not the best target for a technology salesperson to a large degree. That being right. said, the cutoff is a lot lower than most salespeople think. If the person is nice, if the customer is nice, because like the first customer I ever sold to 44 users, I have a a good chunk of my customers even today. And I sell lots and lots of millions. I just hit a hundred million earlier this year. 
so I sell lots, Congratulations. Of, lots, of, lots of things. Yeah, I, I like it. I like money. So it worked out good. So yeah. don't y'all. I, I know. Well, I hope everybody does. Some people are going to like money. You know, I just want, I'm just in it. I asked some people, I'm going to go on a side rant. I asked some people, I'm like, well, why are you getting into selling? Why well, just like to help people? Well, yes, but there's many other careers that you could, if your sole purpose is just to help people and that's the whole self-motivating factor, You're there are yourself. other easier <laughs> paths to help more people than right. you would necessarily have in sales. Right. You do want to combine a passion for helping people and talking to people and solving problems and connecting people with the right solution. All of these things do tie together and money can't be a self, money can't be a single motivating factor because it right. loses its luster to a large degree after many years and lots of success, right? you know, comfort. I, rem leads. I remember when you interviewed me too, you were wearing your, I like money shirt. And I literally remember that conversation that we had about that specifically, you know, I know yeah. I, I, I told you, yeah, too, I, I was like, I'm in it for the money, man. I want to make as much money as right. I can. Exactly. At the end of the day, if you know, salespeople like to love to help people, for example, you know, let's, let's talk about, I want to hit two points here. I don't want to forget about. So one, I, mm -hmm. I want to talk about money for a second, because it's so important. Yeah. And then two, I want to go back to your interview. So talk about money for, let's talk about money first. Yep. Here's the beautiful thing of sales, right? And I don't care if you're super, like, I don't care if you're in love with money or, you know, you know, some people, especially in this, today's world, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they don't want to publicly state that they're in love with money, at least, right? right? Mm -hmm. Even if money is not a single self-motivating factor for you. Money buys security and it buys you time and it gives you the ability to get through life, man, because life throws yeah, a lot of stupidity stress. at you. It does. It mitigates stress. It allows you to not have to worry about those things that otherwise you would have to think about. Right. Like I haven't had to worry about my bills in many, 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 many years, which has been super, super nice because it allows me to focus that energy towards other areas of my life. Life is short, goes right. by very, very fast. Mm -hmm. uh, so even if you don't view money as a luxury item, you still view it as a necessity. And sales is one of the only careers that gives you the ability to dictate how much you're going to earn and actually have the ability to earn generational wealth. Right. Uh, unless you're you know, a professional athlete or something like that, which mm -hmm. I am not. I can <laughs> slam a basketball if it was like six feet, but anything more than that <laughs> is beyond my reach. Yeah, I could do uh, about nine. Yeah, yeah, I can do probably six three, six four. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'd I probably can, hurt my can, knee. Yeah, I can touch the rim. <laughs> the right way to do it. That's about all I could do. Yeah, dude, I've never. Uh, I was all right at baseball, but the beautiful thing about sales is that you can come in. Your first training can be the mail catalog sitting in the lobby, yep. and you made a mention you're doing 100 to 200 phone calls a day. I averaged 280 to 320 phone calls every day for the first six months in technology sales. I made about 36,000 phone calls in the first six months I was doing it. 36,000 phone calls. And I landed 36 new accounts. So which means I got 35,964 no's. Right. It was a very terrible, it was, it was a very terrible conversion rate. But you know what? Imagine right if you now. didn't put in the effort. Imagine if, well, that's the thing, dude. Imagine if you didn't put in the effort. You know, that goes into what we were kind of going to well, talk, going to talk about is, next. It's like people have these expectations of making, you know, a six, seven figure income, but nobody wants to put in the work. And nobody even if, wants to eat dirt, man. Nobody eat wants dirt. to eat you gotta dirt. You got to eat dirt hear for like cold two calling, years. cold emailing, door knocking. Right, everything. How man. do you expect you, to get somewhere? You and I have had the conversation, and we'll have more conversations about this on the podcast too, but you and I have had the conversation, well, what platform, what method is the best for prospecting? And we're going to hit on All that, and, you know, to give a short 
summary uh, of my opinion. If you want to dominate, you have to be everywhere. But we'll come back to that another time. The other thing I wanted to hit on here before we end it here is your interview and why you stuck out to me and why I liked you uh, and brought you on and why you've been successful, which was you didn't come in entitled. You didn't come in arrogant. You came in with a humble attitude, but ambitious and honest and driven and transparent, right? You gave me a very transparent view of your background, what your long-term goals are. You didn't fluff anything. And you just said, I'm going to work super hard. I like money. Here's my goal. Here's my ambition. Here's my plan. Uh, and I want to learn from somebody. And I want to give myself the best foundation for being successful in my career. Uh, and that's all I need, man, because <clears throat> I've seen so many people, especially doing this over the years, right? I've seen hundreds maybe maybe thousands of salespeople start over the years. And a lot of people ask sure. me for my advice and only about four have actually listened because people yeah. don't like my advice. So right. that's what stuck out in my head. So when you're interviewing with folks and you're looking for a good opportunity, there's still two primary things that you have to focus on. One, don't let a company interview you. Right. You interview the company, right? Don't let a company try to push you around in the interview process and make you sell yourself to them. That's not how sales works. Right. Agreed. And this is the same thing with relationship based selling or whatever we do. You focus on where you excel at, where your mind is at, your long term focus, your long term vision. Mm -hmm. And then you see if it overlaps with what they need and what they want and is what they're bringing to the table worth. Are you actually forming a good connection here? Yeah. And when you address an interview, when you tackle an interview that way or a sales call that way, uh, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm not trying to convince you to hire me. I'm not trying to convince you to buy from me. I don't try to convince mm -hmm. anybody of anything. Right. I say, this is my expertise. This is why customers appreciate me. This is why I'd be a good uh, person in your in your organization. Are we a good match? It removes, to your point before, it removes the ability for rejection because yeah. I'm not trying to convince them to do anything. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, it's like, it's like dating, right? I'm not trying to convince you. Right. I, I do my best to clearly show my strengths and to learn what you're looking for and see if we're a good match. So that, that's definitely. what stuck out to me. And I'm glad, I'm glad that it did. So um, that definitely, you know, from, I guess, from my perspective too, you know, one thing, and you just mentioned too, when you're going through the interview process, not to let the company sell you um, okay. starting out, you know, when I was applying for jobs, I was in between. So I actually, well, I guess I'll just kind of finish really quick. So I left the home improvement company I was with, went to a different one for about a month and a half, was making a lot more money. I was working only, you know, over the weekend, making about, thousand fifteen hundred bucks a weekend nice. and then you know i ended up leaving that needed a complete change and you know here i find gha on linkedin right and i'm seeing all these jobs and you know deep down i know i want to learn more about technology more about it and that type of stuff so i'm just applying for jobs right i'm, I'm at the point where i'm reading three sentences in the job description i'm just applying for it you know i right. want to just get my face in front of somebody to kind of hear what the job description is you know hear how they talk because obviously i know how i am as a person and i know how i read people you know, I'm a smart guy for my age. But one thing that, you know, stood out to me about you was, you know, that you were exactly what you just described, you know, just, well, one, I appreciate you, you know, complimenting me about my, you know, my interviewing process, but, you know, I want to, you know, take my head off to you too, because. Well, yeah, I, well I complimented you. So now it's a social norm that you yeah, compliment right. me back. It, it, yeah, I do have to reciprocate. So yeah, that'd be best to be reciprocated. Yeah. I, I like to hear great, how great I am. So continue. I know you do. Don't let so, me, inter don't let me stop you. Yeah, you're welcome. Of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, just being transparent throughout the entire process really, really is a big thing. When I saw GHA, I actually did read the entire entirety of GHA's description on LinkedIn. But when I saw it and I was like, this is something that, you know, obviously the pay is great, right? But 
beyond that, you know, what you guys saw, it's something that just interests me, right? So it interests me. I apply, I don't even know if I told you this, John. There was, I saw it, there was, I think I applied originally for the one in Milwaukee. There okay. was, I think Brett posted it in literally like 10 cities across the entire state. Yeah, he did. Yep. I applied for all 10 of those positions. Nice. I don't, I don't think I ever told you that. Or maybe I did in the interview. If you want to dominate, you got to be everywhere, man. Exactly. Like, Boom! I'll exactly. take anything anywhere. Yeah, right. And I was getting, I was telling, you know, I was telling my girlfriend, I'm so excited to get this opportunity and, you know, I can't, I want them to get back to me. When are they going to get back to me? Well, you know, a couple of weeks later, I it finally ended up, who was it? Jennifer, is that her name? Yeah, Jennifer Jen. Temple. Yep. Yeah, she was the one who reached out to me. But, you know, the day that I interviewed with you, I had four other interviews. And I think I told you I yeah, had a couple did. other you ones too. You told me too. that at the time, yep. Yep. And, you know, just I feel like what you presented me, it was it was just a lot different. You know, people were interviewing me and that's something that I need to do or I guess needed at the time to do a better job at was more so interviewing the company. It's just I know what I I don't know. I guess I kind of knew what I was looking for already in the company. So that made the process a little bit easier for me. It was more so just me hearing them out, hearing how they operated, hearing how they pitched me, because, you know, if they're just telling me what it is, you know, how they do what they do not why they do what they do well that's exactly like every other interview i'm going to have it is right and you know what you said just about the entire process you literally wore a shirt that said i like money i've never (laughs) during during my interview dude i've never had that before yeah i love it dude (laughs) but you know that's never you know that that really did stick out to me you know i we had a you know just man-to-man bro-to-bro conversation which really stood out to me it's not you know i didn't it's not like i didn't have great conversations with the other people either it's just your whole I don't want to call it a pitch, but I guess pitch just was extremely transparent. You told me what it is. You told me why it is what you do, what you do. I've never heard anybody give me the exact statistical data of how many cold calls or how many minutes or how many hours they've been working, which that stood out to me. That shows actual transparency that you take the time to care about what you do. Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly what I want to do and what I'm looking for. So that's what stood out. And based off of our interview, I was like, well, this definitely seems like a cool guy and someone who who I wouldn't mind mentoring me. I am pretty so. cool, uh, but uh, you know, I'm blessed, dude, and I appreciate that, and I'm blessed mm-hmm. to do what I do, and you've heard me say that, and I'm grateful and thankful to do what I do, right? And, you know, like you, I came, I didn't start off financially independent, yeah. <laughs> so I had a lot, the most I've yeah. ever made at 25 years old was $18,000, so I've been, I've been eternally thankful for the opportunity to do what we do, and I said it to you, that first conversation we had during your interview. So I, I'm always looking for nice people who are ambitious and want to maximize what they can do in life. Right. And right. that's why we work really well together. So let's wrap it up, dude. So I think this is great. Awesome. I'm appreciative of the uh, opportunity here. And I think sure. over the next episode, we're just going to break down uh, really more granular conversations around emailing, prospecting conversations, getting over re- uh, uh, objections, <clears throat> do all the things that you need to do. As you transition from a BDR to a national sales manager in tech sales, anything that you want to uh, say before we d- we're yeah. done? No, I was, I was going to say you just touched on it. I really just want to get into on the next episode into how I got here, what you know, what I've learned from my past jobs that I carried over onto this job. What is it that I've learned somewhere? Like what specifically you've brought over to me or taught me that has helped me tremendously in my role and what I'm going to specifically use out of that to transition into the new role. So yeah, like you said, I think that is going to be a really good starting point for the next episode and just come up with some questions that I've asked you. um, I've asked other people just throughout the entire process and figure out what it is that I've done to learn from that and how I've, you know, propelled myself to get to this point. Awesome. Let's do it, dude. Appreciate it. Good talking to you. We did it.